Welcome to the Ask the Expert podcast with Yogi Roth. Yogi, Cliff Kingsbury is coming to USC to be their offensive coordinator. What do you think about this? I think it's really fun to talk about. You know, when when we knew all the changes happened and you were in the middle of it, obviously, and I love following you on social just because I'm like, all right, what's going on in SC? Let's go to you. And I get the day-to-day, literally minute by minute. Uh, but you knew they were going to make a change. And I think we all assumed that Clay was going to hire an OC versus call it himself. Uh, and I think big picture for him, uh, for Coach Helton, what an opportunity this is to be able to hit reset in the same job. You know, I think if you ask like Mark Helfrich or other first-time head coaches, like they would have loved an opportunity like this. Sure. Um, to be able to do this. And, and I'm glad they did it. I, I took a lot of heat on it on social sin, and I thought Clay should come back. Um, and the reason I'm not blind to the issues they had. I mean, they were, they were large. They were dramatic. That's why a lot of guys got let go. But I just think if, if it's every three years or if the turnover is happening like it has, you, have, you don't give yourself a chance right now in the Pac-12. So at least to a certain degree, there's a little stability there at the top. And we've seen this happen before. You know, and I'm not saying Clay Helton's Brian Kelly. He hasn't coached like he has and won like he has. But uh, I think he's probably grown a lot as a head coach, and now he gets the opportunity to get reset. So it leads us to where you just led me in the question of Cliff Kingsbury. Where were they going to go on offense? And I, I hear probably not as much as you hear, but from a lot of SC fans that say the following, we need to pound the football, be like Stanford, and be the team that Mike Garrett won the Heisman on. Okay, cool. All right, I'll wear that. That's fine. And then the minute they play Wazoo, or a team that throws the ball over, they say, why is it so easy for them? Yeah. Why can't we do that? Right? And I hear it all the time and, and love that dialogue. And I think it's very fair. Um, to, to have that opinion as a fan or an analyst or someone within the program, the administration. Um, so where do they land? They land right uh, to a certain degree of where they were about, what's it, five, six years ago now. Uh, when Sark came in, Sark came in with the idea of we are going to implement elements of the West Coast offense in a spread formation, in a spread uh, philosophy. Yeah. Nick did that with the old Green Bay Packers coach, Packers coach Mike Sherman, Mike Sherman and Gerard right. Johnson's play. They averaged over, over 90 plays a game. Was, I was working at Fox. I was calling their games in the big, uh, for the Big 12. And you'd watch it, and you'd freeze at the end of every play when you'd watch the film, and you'd say, whoa, this is a this is a concept that I ran when I was coaching at SC. This is a West Coast offense. How are they going so fast? So Sark was saying, we're going to run real football stuff, real run game not just two or three run plays, not just 12 plays on a piece of paper like a lot of air raid teams have, but we're going to run detailed stuff just fast, and our players, our athletes, our skill guys are better than everybody's. So we're going to take advantage of that. And that's where they started. And I I think if Sark was healthy, if he was right, um, we might be having a different conversation right now because I like that style of football for where SC is, and it gives yourself a a nice blend. And I think that's what they hired. I think they hired that philosophical approach of not pure air raid. You know, you're not going to see them just chuck it around a hundred times. At least I would be shocked if Clay Helton said okay to that. And everything I've ever heard or read about Cliff is that he's got a a really nice background in the NFL-style running game. You know, he's not just an air raid, I'm going to stick to what I stick to. You know, he's more evolved than that. From everyone I've ever talked to who's worked beside him, like Jake Spavadol's of the world, etc. So... Um, we're working, you know, around him and are close with him. So I, I like the hire. 
Um, and I'll stop there because I could keep rambling, but I have a bunch of thoughts. But that, that initially answer your question. I think it's a really good hire. You know, it's going to excite the fan base, which shouldn't really matter, but it kind of does. Uh, but most importantly, it's going to excite the program. It's going to add some life to it. And now you've got a guy who's, you know, suitably been in Clay's shoes, being able to run an offense and manage a side of the football. Um, and like Clay handle what needs to be handled, which is the ethos of the team, um, because clearly they have some issues there. Well, let's keep going down uh, that path of what it might look like, because I think we're all curious. We know the personnel at USC. They have a pocket quarterback in JT Daniels. They have big receivers. They're deep at receiver. Uh, they're not going to only throw the ball, of course. What do you envision it looking like? Without the benefit of, you know, we, we can't talk to Kingsbury right now. How, how do you think that it'll play out when he gets his hands on, on you know, these skilled players and, and with what they've already been doing? I'm sure it's not just going to be a complete upheaval, but probably going to be a, a pretty stark change from what they did this past season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think the most important element for a head coach is to give a blueprint to his coordinators. And for SC fans that uh, you know go back to I guess it'd be two thousand and three, two thousand two, they go six and six at Pete's first year. Yeah. And Pete walked in and said, "Norm, we're not going to run your offense. You're going to run mine." And he gave him a blueprint. I still have a copy of that blueprint of huh. what you do in every down and distance. And they ran Pete Carroll's offense. Norm called the plays. He developed them with Lane, Sark, Tim Davis, and company. But it was Pete's offense. And this needs to be Clay's offense. You know, I, I'm not a, especially when you're an offensive head coach. So, what does he want the team to look like? And I'm sure he wants it to look explosive. He wants to get the ball out and take advantage of his personnel. But he needs to have, and probably wants to have, a team that has an identity of running the football. I can't imagine him changing his tune in that regard. And that, to me, is the most, Adam, the most intriguing thing of this. If I could, I would want to insert myself in the first team meeting that Clay Helton has with this new staff because he's got a chance to reset with this program like we talked a minute ago. And offensively, this team was unable to dictate terms consistently. I think they were unable to say, we are a physical team and we're going to pound the football and we're going to force you to deal with us. That wasn't a reality for them this year. That's not an emotional analysis. That's not a freak show on Twitter going off. This is just straight up. You watch the tape. Anybody could tell you, and they would tell you, they were inconsistent when it came to dictating terms. They do it for a full drive to start the game at Wazoo. Awesome. Couldn't do it at times for multiple drives, like look at the Texas game. So I think when you go throughout their season, they've got these bursts of really impressive moments of, Whoa, what a really nice job of this offensive line, even if it's seniors that are no longer there. But, yeah, he looks like a guy that can play on Sunday because I felt this offensive line, man, was the best one they should have had in the last decade. I thought that, too. Right. We didn't even share that thought. That's what I came in thinking, and you said it as well. I was very surprised at how poorly they performed. Yeah, so I I really want to hear how Cliff is going to shape the approach of this offensive line. And it sounds like, obviously, Tim Drevno, we would assume, would stay as the offensive line coach. I'd imagine he has a multi-year deal. They Clay really likes him. Yeah. An accomplished coach. So that, to me, is what you need. That, that has to be the change. And you you get that change, not just through a speech, but you get that change through repetition, through style of play. 
And most air raid teams, when you study them, are very average on the at stopping the run. That's why Wazoo and Mike Leach, to me, is so impressive the last couple of years. Because they've been able to stop the run when they don't practice against a downhill scheme. But they get a defense, it's physical. They get an offensive line that is physical when they need to run the football. And SC wasn't that, and by any stretch of the imagination. And that's a mentality. That's a scheme approach. I mean, there's a lot of layers to that, which is what I'm most intrigued in. And I'll call their spring game on the Pac-12 networks most likely. And, yeah, it'll be fun to watch him and throw it all over the yard. But we've seen JT do that. Go back and watch him in high school. Watch him in training camp. Watch him, you know, at times throughout the season. You look at the last game against Notre Dame. But can they shift their approach and mindset, not of the staff, but of the kids working every day? And that, to me, is what these coaches need to do. Let alone the scheme stuff, of course. But there needs to be a shift there because this team is undisciplined at critical moments and we're unable to dictate terms at critical moments. And at times showed great discipline and at, shy, and at times dictated terms. That inconsistency is not going to be Utah or UW, two teams that do not make inconsistent uh, mental mistakes or let alone strategic mistakes. And that's why they're playing tomorrow night the title. Okay, I want to catch up on that in a moment. But before we do that, I want to go back to UNC personnel. I want to ask you, knowing that they have Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughn, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Bavai Malapai in the backfield with Stephen Carr coming back next year, JT Daniels at quarterback. What's your hunch? Who are, out of that group, who are a couple guys that you think they will probably explode, they'll flourish in this offense? Hmm, good question. Well, I mean, the receivers are going to ball out, right? That, that's no question. Those three guys have different skill sets. That's why I wondered if you thought, yeah. okay, this is really going to benefit so-and-so for this reason or wh- whatever. Mm. I'm on Raw, right? That, that's who I think yeah. of first. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Amon Ra is going to ball out in Clay Helton calling the plays or in, uh, you know, in this system. Now, he might be able to go bonkers, to your point. You know, I might have 60 catches. You know, 80 catches. Like, he could become that guy. He had um, 60 already as a freshman. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that, you know, I was doing this exercise earlier today, just talking and thinking through SC. If you comp them at every position against the rest of the Pac-12, I really think there's only one position today that you'd take SC at. And I think it's receiver. You wouldn't take their lines. You wouldn't take their backs. You wouldn't take their secondary. You wouldn't take their linebackers. You wouldn't take their tight ends. There's one. They might be two, three, four, but they're not one yeah. anymore other than wide out. Sure. Um, that's, so different. Think, and, that's, that's different. That's different. That's a different thing than we've seen for the last decade. Even when they have got, when they, when Pete Carroll was not their coach, typically you would have taken a few of their units above all else. Yeah. Well, and that's the biggest, I think, misnomer of, the, of SC. Not to not answer your question, but everybody's like, they're better than everybody. And I'm like, well, are they? Like, are they really? Like, they're not. They're, they're not better than. Utah's O-line. They're not better than Utah or UW's defensive front. They're not better than Utah or Cal's or UW's linebacking core. They're not better than Utah or UW or Cal's secondary. They're not better than Stanford's tight ends. You know, like, they're just not. Yeah. You know, and the running back core is, we, we know what that is. Not better. Take, take Bryce Bob, Gaskin, Jamar Jefferson, you know, whatever. Like, you know, Benjamin. Like, there's four places that, you, that are more talented. Um, not, not, playing better but more talented and I think that is 
that is a hard pill to swallow because of the recruiting rankings, which then leads into another combo of the star rankings and mm-hmm. the evaluation and the development and all that, which which is fair to discuss. But I think today, to your point of who's going to thrive, like what's the clay that Clay Helton and Cliff Kingsbury are going to operate with? They're not elite anywhere other than wideout. You know, and they're losing a couple of linemen. I love the class and the projection we should have for the freshman group that came in two years ago. They should be really good on the offensive line. We'd expect that. You know, they should be good enough at running back. And maybe Marquis Step is the guy. Obviously, he returns some players that he referenced. But I don't think that it's like, oh, get us a scat back like they have at um, you know UCLA across town, uh, Casimir Allen. He's going to be the dude. Like I don't think, I don't think it's going to be it's going to become that type of offense that JJ Taylor in Arizona is the back. Like I, I think SC is going to be fine with their personnel. I think it, it's really going to be about them um, getting guys in space schematically, which they'll do, and I think they'll crush it at and they'll thrive at. But when they need to run the football, they have to do it because you're not going up against the defenses that I was coaching against. You know, you're going up against defenses that are loaded, and you get Oregon and Utah next year. So um, their schedule is much more difficult than it is this year. But I think all the players will benefit from it, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I think all these players come from playing a version of the system in high school, unless you're, I don't know what Marquis Step played in coming out of Indiana, but if you're on the West Coast, pretty much running some sort of air rate spread attack. So I, I think they're all going to thrive and, and, and play their best football. Is that good enough to win? We'll find that out. Okay, so I'm going to borrow a comment from ESPN's Kyle Bonagura, who uh, remarked that while JT Daniels is not maybe the ideal quarterback for the air raid, the air raid is ideal for him. Would you agree with that? I don't really know what that means. I mean, <laughs> Meaning that this offense, uh, from what we know about it and what we're anticipating, would be a perfect marriage for the skill set of JT Daniels. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's – find me a quarterback that says, I don't want to play in the air raid. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. But, okay. but, but, I mean, I, he seems – just what he wants to do and what he's looking for, I, I think it would benefit him to move away from some of what they were doing this year and what they were doing with Darnold the previous two years. They're so yeah, different. I, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fun discussion. You know, like yeah, should he be part of the RPO world where he's a zero in terms of threat to keep it or a one? You know, like he's yeah. not going to scare you. Got to keep one one every two games to keep you honest. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I think the sell in this is everybody saw Monday Night Football two weeks ago. Yeah, with the Rams and the Chiefs and those guys. I mean, Jared Goff isn't the most elusive guy by any stretch of the imagination. I get the athlete Pat Mahomes is, but they're dealing for the most part. Um, you know, Jared, some movement runs, but not the movement that Pat has. Um, you know, he's keeping a lot of stuff in his vision when you when you study him and how he's doing it. You know, it's, they're easier reads for him. He's not having, until this year, having to make full field reads. I think that's the type of stuff for JT, you know, that, that's going to be beneficial. I think that's more of a comp, you know, the Jared Goff, version of this offense versus the Luke Falk version of this offense or Gardner Minshew version of this offense. And, and I think you're right. I mean, JT is as pure of a pocket guy as we can imagine. And 
I heard the arguments coming out of high school of the type of athlete that he was and what he did as a junior running the ball and, and saw it at, at times on tape, but he learned in the first game that I called against UNLV yeah. that it's a different different level. So, yeah, I think it'll fit him great, and I think he'll be fine, and I think for if there's a world of naysayers that says, well, he's not going to come to the line of scrimmage and call NFL plays anymore. Like, And you need to go and listen to office corners in the league, and the majority of them now, Seahawks are a great example. Their play calls are not like they used to be. You know, they're not three plays with one of the scrimmage, kill the two other ones, and look at your wristband. Like, it's very uh, much smaller vernacular, which is how the learner is right now. You know, we've gotten into that before of learning your learner and that being the biggest key to having success in college football, and, uh, let alone the NFL. So I, I think uh, the argument that it's not an NFL system or JT not going to like it because it's not an NFL system is is uh, one that's you know probably based in much more generalities than the reality of what they're going to run. Did you have any impressions of or you know new takeaways from watching him over the final month? Uh, there was a strange pattern where, and it really applied to the whole offense. To be fair, where in the first half they often came out firing, and we saw it versus Cal, UCLA, Notre Dame, and then in the second half shut down, and, and he was different, and, and they were different. And I just want to know if when you got to watch that over. If you if you could just I mean I'm sure you notice a, a night and day contrast but but why I mean uh, aside from the defense you know maybe put another guy in the secondary and went to a cover two why would it dramatically shift the way it did over and over again I wish I knew you know like I go back and I, you know I'm prepping for this game I talked to a lot of coaches for Cal Cal and Stanford and. You know, I get lucky to go around and talk to a lot of different play callers, and I ask them all a lot of the same questions. And a lot of it is around halftime adjustments. And, you know, I think Pete got way too much credit for halftime adjustments, um, and I think some people get too much slack. You, know, you don't have a lot of time. You know, it's 15, 20 minutes on the clock, which is basically you meet, what are we doing, what do we like, what don't we like, you go talk to your players, and that's it. Like, it, it flies by. Um, so, yeah, there's one or two things here and there. I think there are more adjustments probably made on defensive sides than offensive sides because you want to you're running the stuff right you're putting them on their heels uh, a lot of times I think it's on the O-line coach to find the best adjustment um, to say hey, hey the three tech or the interior defensive lineman is, is really heavy in this set in this formation we we think we can run this and that's why run game coordinators to me is like a, the one of the very few worthy titles that have grown in recent years in college football is guys want more titles when they sign for jobs like can you really coordinate that and see it in real time. And that's where certain guys are really special. They can see it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, if I had to guess, man, a lot of it to me was coming out with just just not a, not a focus at times in, in the second half to to finish. And, and that's not uh, – I'm not saying that as a blasé comment. I'm saying that when you watch them in the second half, I'd be curious if, if – you charted, or the staff charted, missed assignments. You know, and, and there's something to that. There's something to coming out and you start your, your your first 15 or your script or you know what you're doing. We've seen them just crush people first drive of the games. How many times have we watch that? Whether it's Notre Dame or Texas, whatever, and you're like, oh, kind of rolling. And the second half, um, you just can't see it. And football's hard. You know, football's three and a half hours of ridiculous focus. 
attention to detail. Um, and you saw that team at times, a slip up here, a slip up there, all of a sudden become multiple drives, specifically on the road, right, where they struggled in, in tough environments throughout the season. So I don't know. I know the skill in psychology is not how to focus but how to refocus. Um, and I thought this team just came out in the second half and, you know, it wasn't as though I thought they were out-schemed in any games, at least that I watched back. I was like, they were out-executed. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that, which I think goes back to, I wish I could be in that first-team meeting. Because I think they'll get it right. And they got the strongest brand on the West Coast in college football. You know, if, if one team can go from an embarrassment to rolling, it's the Trojans, you know, in this era with the type of players they have in some key positions. So I can't wait, man. It's we're anticipating team this is going to be not just spring ball but really the Fresno game BYU as they get going this year you mentioned focus and I wonder through your experience with Pete Carroll whose teams uh, often in the fourth quarter I mean even now you see it with Seattle every week pretty much they never get blown out and they're often fighting and clawing and rallying back in the second half what what is the key then as the head coach to keep your team executing, to borrow your word, in the second half in the manner that it did in the first half, or better than it did in the first half? Because it was the opposite for USC in most every game. Yeah, well, I mean, I hate this. I mean, SC fans don't want to hear this, but look at Cal. I mean, look at Justin Wilcox. I mean, look look at this team. They're... They were one of 17 on third down last week against Colorado and dominated the game, you know. And each year they've been blown out once. UW last year, UCLA this year, right? Uh, But for the most part, they're just in games. You know, they're playing really good football. And to me, it's it's being assignment sound. You know, there were times this year where I go watch the tape and Marvell Tell, for instance, would be out of position that's flashing in my mind right now. Or some of the young players that were playing out of position, all of a sudden it's a gash. Or at receiver, JT falling back on his training. Remember, his training was 27 practices. Right? Falling back on, let me just get bailed out by number eight, Alvin Ross St. Brown. And that, to me, is what I saw a lot of, a lot of unforced errors. And so I chart what I'm calling games. You know, I, I took it from Ted Robinson, my partner, who calls tennis. I was watching one of his matches one day, two summers ago, and I'm like, of course, there's how you lose tennis matches. I think it's how you lose college football games, too. And I sort of chart it. And every single game, the team that hurts themselves more isn't in position to win it at the end. But the team that's, you know what, bleed me out. You know, Justin would say that when he was coordinating at USC, and now they say it at Cal. Like, we're going to make you bleed us out. We're going to make you earn it in 12, 14 play drives. And um, there were times that SC did that defensively. At times, obviously, they'd give up an explosive play. There were times on offense where they'd execute for a full drive, and then there'd be a catastrophic mistake, whether it was a drop. Like, look at the ASU game. It was Tyler Rollins, right? He makes that catch. They win the game. Right? It's a wrap. Two-score game. It's over. Yeah. Jack Steers, hero. You know? That's the focus that I get. People drop passes. Or, but but the great team's duffel. You know? You don't have a false start. You don't have a poor snap. You don't have a misread. Like, you, you don't. Like that's 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 the difference, and that's the difference between a one-score game and the thing getting out of hand at times. And again, I really think, man, and I keep saying it, but I think Clay Helton has a beautiful opportunity 
in his first team meeting. I mean, think about it. He's, he's never been a head coach before. I, I've always said this. He, we have got an opportunity to watch a head coach develop in real time. And I think for you and for the people that you're around every day, I think you guys are giving a front row seat. And I don't, I don't even think you should have that seat. I don't think you should be allowed to be there every day. <laughs> I think it's inappropriate because I think some of this stuff, not from you, but other people I read, I'm like, that's just not even right. And the fan base, because of the era we're in, eats it up. You know, and now it's piling on. So my point is that here we go. We got another front row seat of reset time at US freaking C. I mean, this is awesome. I'm really excited. um, And I hope and I urge fans, not even because I'm a glass half full guy, but what's the other option of being at like, be negative, be a jerk, like support this guy, support this program, and don't tell me that SC fans aren't going to show up in games if SC wins. If they lose, no one shows up anywhere. 30,000 people at the Rose Bowl for Chip Kelly, the biggest free agent hire in coaching in the last 10 years. Nobody cared because they lost. That happens everywhere in this era of college football. There's nothing different. So I would urge fans to support, champion the moves, and I'm a part of it. I graduated my master's degree at SC, like the Trojan family is, is, I think it's super real. Come together now. Uh, I hate seeing it. I hate reading it. Um, I, I think it's kind of gross and it, inappropriately a reflection of what I don't think that institution stands for. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I mean, it hasn't really been a lot of fun uh, chronicling it either, uh, to be honest. But I have to reflect the reality. And, and so I, I think if I could even sum up the the feeling of the fans in a simple sentence, it would be that they don't believe in Clay Helton. And what I want to ask you as I let you go here is what do you feel like through this experience that he's just endured that he would possibly learn and take from it? Because ultimately he'll have to win back the fans. They're not going to just get on board. That's just where things are at right now. But of course, if he won, then it would change a lot of minds. Uh, but I, I'm wondering, you know, I, I don't want to make it just go bottom line, winning or losing. I want to know what you think about how he can learn, how he can grow from what he's experienced, and, and ultimately what could, you know, win back the, the faith of the fans. Well, he's not going to do it with a speech. He's not going to do it with a, with, no. a, with a dinner tour, you know. He's not going to do it with a fundraising tour. He's going to, I mean... Clay Hilton works his ass off, you know, point blank. I mean, he's a guy who sleeps in the office multiple times a week. He's a really smart and well-respected football coach, and he's under a microscope at one of the top five jobs in the history of football, not just college football, but I think NFL and college. So what can he do to win back the fans? Like, not worry about him. No, no, no. My my question isn't about them, about winning the back. I I don't know that he can. I'm saying they don't have faith in him. I'm wondering how he can grow from what's happened. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, uh, tremendously. You know, I mean, I, I, I go back to Pete of, you know, the, the most important thing he's ever done was take a year off, right? When he took his time off, he dove into his approach, his philosophy, etc. Clay can't do that, doesn't want to do that. But he gets the benefit of, what is it, four-week dead period, three-week dead period? You know, so he hired his OC, right? You know, probably, I'm assuming Cliff's going to hire his own, you know, receiver coach or, you know, whatever. They'll figure out how to finish that thing off. Um, Clay gets an opportunity after December, what is it, 
17th. They got signing day the 19th. Right. So you got like the 20th until January 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever that is after the national championship game. Those three weeks, to me, will be probably the most critical weeks of Clay Helton's career. Because he's going to, he probably has done a version of it already, but it seems like the season just ended and he's been under the gun and firing guys, hiring guys. Recruiting. But he's going to get the recruiting, of course. He's going to get some real downtime to reflect and say, okay, what is my style? What is my vision? What is my philosophy? You know, how, these are all questions that, that Pete has asked all the coaches that work with him. And a lot of the times in the NFL, the coaches say, I've never been asked that before. I've been coaching for 30 years. Right? And Clay has gone through that work. I've sat in on his presentations at his clinics. Really impressive. Uh, but he gets to go do it again. Where were we wrong? You know, am I? Where do I need to be harder? Where do I need to be lighter? Where do I need to be more galvanizing? Where do I need to be better on Monday practices? What do we need to do on Thursday? Like every element in his program, he's going to get a three-week window to to dive into it, and even longer than that once they finish the real signing day or the second signing day yeah. in early February. Love another month. You know? Yeah. So I, I just think that uh, that first meeting in spring football is so big. Like if it's me right now. I'm telling my kids, go to school, don't get in trouble. Okay, our guys on offense, here's your new OC. Like, have those types of meetings. But you don't have the, this is who we are, like, until that, that night before the first spring practice. And I can't wait to be at that practice, and I can't wait to hear him talk afterwards. Um, and that's what I'll ask him. You know, what, what was it like? You know, where, where did you change? And, and I'd want to do it in a non-interview style. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and that, to me, will be... That is the greatest gift that Clay Helton has right now is the gift of time. Uh, because most coaches don't have it. You know, I always feel the head coach when they get fired, uh, they should take a year off. Take a year off to A, take a breath, and B, just reflect a little bit. Now, I get that Cliff can't because SC's a bonkers job, and you don't get an opportunity like that very often to land at USC. But if he didn't get that, I would never have re- recommended him to, like, go to Arizona. Let's just say normal zone, he moved on or sure. whatever. You know, it's, it's, don't don't do it. You know, I've seen it enough now with head coaches where you just like take your time, man. Take a minute, take a take a breath, take a breath. So I, that that's really Adam. What I, what I hope happens. Um, I, I think that Clay is a uh, he's got he's got an opportunity that's just awesome. It's really going to be fun to watch this thing go down for him. And, uh, I hope I hope it works. Uh, I really do. All right, Yogi, thank you for bringing perspective like always. Much appreciated. Uh, really excited to continue having conversations about USC football. Yeah, man, it's been a fun year. I uh, appreciate you bringing me on every week. Thank you, man. Yeah, I know you're much appreciated by all of us as well. All right, everyone, that was another edition of the Ask the Expert podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you another time. <laughs>